0: Yeah, well, they they won't know. You know, people <laughs> aren't going to be. I I don't think I don't think anybody's going to be searching my profile necessarily, um, 2,000 years from now. Maybe by accident, maybe one or two people by accident might trip over. But there's going to be unlimited content. You know, even 100 years from now. So what we do now, I I just think you know the way we should think is how can we best impact other people in a good way? How can we bring love and light and happiness and joy to? And otherwise. Pretty distressed world that we live in.
1: She had got I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Gather Podcast. I'm your Hosek In this episode I have Asher to speak about his experience as a electronic violinist. You can find about him by clicking the link in the description below. i would like to give a content one if for John in this episode and hope you this next day. And enjoy the show. i just start off by walking you welcoming you to the podcast and give you the floor to introduce yourself to the audience.
0: Okay. Well, uh, my name is Asher and I'm an electric violinist, uh, composer, producer, and live performer. And um glad to be here. Um I uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you have any questions, or should I just kind of shoot the breeze here? <laughs>
1: Uh, I guess, yes, we can talk about the, um, what kind of gets you into like violin and music in general, just start with that.
0: Um, what got me into violining? violin? Um, well, I started with the violin at a pretty young age and, um, kind of progressed from there to, um, you know, from classical training to, uh, improvisation and that, that I, something I really enjoyed and that moved me, that, that allowed me to kind of. Progress into a professional type of setting as a, as a, uh, live performer.
1: Nice. In New York. Mm-hmm. And, and your body says said you started at two. Like, how did you get a child that young to even like want to do something that requires time and practice? Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was a choice of my
0: parents. Uh, the, and just because, uh, you know, I was just a happy kid at the time, uh, figured I'd just go, go with the flow. So. Week after week, attending, you know, private lessons uh, allowed me to learn all these scales. And as I grew, the violins grew. They gave me larger violins and um, playing in orchestras. So that's how I, that's how, how I was able to uh, develop various skills on uh, a pretty complicated instrument.
1: Yeah. And now you're saying that you're going to improvisation. So what is that? What did that detail?
0: Um, well, uh, started with kind of learning, learning jazz, uh, the jazz standards and, uh, uh, observing the jazz band and saxophonists how they played and trumpets, trumpet players, how they improved, and, uh, listening pretty extensively to, you know, some of my idols like John McPonte, who's a violinist kind of cutting edge in, in the jazz improv world and uh, that that had a major impact on on my uh on my shift to improv from you know just reading reading classical uh, from sheet music, which is pretty much regurgitating or just memorizing what what the composer's telling you to play. So here with improv, you don't necessarily uh know what's gonna come next or so the next line you kind of follow the chord progression. that's something that that was pretty appealing to me so uh yeah by by twelfth grade I was Kind of spending a lot of time um, uh, honing that skill, and then even more, more so when I hit the New York scene on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Got it.
1: So it's more like you playing, I guess, like more instead of just doing what's already been done, trying to like create something new or just playing what comes comes to mind.
0: Yeah, playing comes to mind. Uh, You can't think too much about it. You just have to kind of feel the chord progressions, and um, uh, you know, if if you're thinking like theory uh, from bar to bar, you're you're going to screw up. But if you're kind of feeling the notes, feeling the chord progression, predicting what's going to happen next, which just takes a lot of practice, a lot of repetition, um, then it then then it's something that's enjoyable. It's something that kind of breathes life and uh, breathes a narrative that is uh, otherwise not really achievable unless you have that you know that experience
1: got it and like what does it feel like for you when you're playing the violin do you what kind of like state are you in
0: um a pure state of euphoria <laughs> <laughs> uh i i um uh, i guess it depends on the music that i'm playing it depends on the venue the setting um sometimes i'm literally just not thinking about what i'm playing <laughs> i'm thinking about something else uh if it's a boring kind of gig uh when i'm doing studio recording i'm i am nitpicking every single note the intonation and the uh you know the velocity of the of the note all sorts of like because I, I want it to sound perfect i'm gonna have to listen to the recording for, for for decades so uh once it's out so it's a different story there that's a little more stressful. Uh, when I'm in a concert setting where like video cameras aren't me, then that's, that's something that also is, um, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, uh, well, I guess it depends on the, on, on the audience reaction. If the audience is really into the music, then, then I'm, then I'm feeling just the enjoyment of the experience. Um, just focusing on trying to tell the narrative of whatever the music is that I'm playing. Um, you know, I'm playing like Baroque type stuff, uh it's not as much of a narrative, it's more technical. So uh you're mostly just focused on the coordination, I would say. So uh, yeah.
1: I had an idea. Okay. So like when you're recording, is it like with, um what people they don't like their voice when they're recording? Do you ever like hear your own um, self playing and you just he's just like I right. it's making those changes in your head, like I right, this could be better.
0: Uh, do I ever hear? Sorry, like, say it again. Is there, do I ever hear the voice? What change in my head?
1: Like, um, you know how like there's people who hear their own voice in recordings and it just, they can't like listen to it. It just sounds oh, too they weird can't for them. listen this? to re- recording because they don't, they're not happy with it. Like to their own voice, like the sound of their own voice is weird to them off of recording.
0: Oh, um, well, I'm not really recording my voice so no. much. Uh, I'm doing mostly instrument, uh, instrumentals and, um, minis, that type of stuff. Uh, The, uh, you know, when I'm recording other people, I mean, yeah, the the product, the end product generally sounds a bit different because you're adding some compression and um, a little bit of like some limiter effects and reverb. It sounds, tends to sound a little bit more, uh, it's got like that sheen to it uh, after it's mixed and mastered. So it sounds a little bit different than it would, uh, you know, just like in a room hearing somebody sing. Yeah, But yeah, I mean, the, the violin sounds, I, I wouldn't say my violin, for my violin, I wouldn't say that it sounds weird. Um, I like the way it sounds, the way that, you know, the product, uh, because, you know, once it's mixed and, and eq cued and so on and so forth, you know, with the, with the rest of the instruments.
1: Got it. And for those who want to become musicians, how do you make that career? That's not a, a traditional career for people to follow
0: um well it, it takes a lot of work just like any any career um it's not it's not something that uh kind of happened overnight for me it it it, have, it took a number of years uh just to like develop the skills um even even for even for for musical like any aspect of the music- music profession where you're gonna kind of rise to the top and be in demand you you have to really Build up a skill over over a period of time, or have some really darn good connections. Um, so uh, for me, I, I made it a career. It actually happened kind of naturally. Uh, I was working my way through school, I uh, and I was doing one gig every you know month or so, and it kind of increased from there due to demand, due to requests, and. Uh, so that's kind of ha- how it happened initially, like back in 2001, 2002. But uh, for people that want to like make DJing a career or instrument a career, if you want to make an instrument a career, you've got to practice for many, many years and uh, really just take maybe professional lessons or be really dedicated to the craft. Uh, if you want to DJ, uh, I-, I would say it's a bit easier as somebody who has experience uh, with both. Um, if you have good coordination, you, you know, you might be able to. To, if you're a good producer, you have a good ear. You hear, you listen to a lot of music, but that's also craft. Like that's a skill. Um, it's not just uh, just connecting random loops together. Uh, it, it's also being able to listen to other music and translate that to your own production. Uh, in terms of live mixing, it's you know BPM, beats per minute, knowing uh, knowing how to sync beats per minute. I don't know if you're if the, if the DJ thing is is what you're doing. Uh, or if that's like your, I don't know who I'm talking to in terms of like your audience, but you could, you could tell me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think my, my age is mostly on people, my age and like 20 and up, like 20, 20 okay. to like 30. So people okay. who are like new into the career, so they still like, Dude. okay. Still, they can still like choose any career they want.
0: Am so. I covering, am I covering the, the, in, the instrumental versus DJ? Like I'm assuming we're, we're looking we're talking about a mixed group of yeah. uh, listeners here. Yeah. Okay, so so then I'll just keep saying what I was saying. Um, it, I guess it's a bit of an easier transition with with DJing, but but then there's the the business end of things that uh, is somewhat of of a challenge. Um, building a company, a lot of people think, oh, all I have to do is just like mix turntables and, and just have a big catalog, and it's not. It's investment in in equipment. It's uh, it's access. It's it's being really uh, what's the word? It's being really uh, nimble. When it comes to knowing how to access um, uh, music in the right genres, knowing how to respond to clients, um, knowing how to get your music out there and publicize, it's just like, there's just a million hats you got to wear. And it's literally like being an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor. Um, you, you can work your tail off and become great in music, or you can just kind of sit back and not make much money, or it may just not be about money. It may just be about, Impacting many people, and that all takes a lot of work. So, uh, you you have to wear a lot of hats. You have to be be a businessman. You have to be a musician. You have to uh, see your listeners as your clients. You have to see. You have to think about data um, the way an accountant would. Um, look at how how what your return on investment is. Like, look at how much you're spending on campaigns. Are they the right campaigns? Are they screwing up your social media profile? Are you connecting with the right people? You know it's just like any other business just a lot of people don't realize that
1: yeah i can see like when you're a musician you have to pretty much promote yourself have be good at the craft first then promote yourself and then make sure you're making the best decisions financially and otherwise to make sure that you continue to grow
0: yeah it's a, it can be a sticky field as you you may already know or your listeners might know it, it's a it's a saturated field um but that doesn't mean there isn't demand. It's just there, there are that you can't create, you can't generate demand. You can generate demand in anything, uh, in fashion and whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, you gotta be good at it and you have to, you have to, you have to think, you have to think critically, uh, just like in any career.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it. So it's possible. Yeah. There's <laughs> a
0: lot of people. There's unfortunately I, I've spent a, I've wasted a lot of time, um, Kind of learning from gurus uh, who kind of sent me waste just sent me in different paths and different uh kind of not so useful uh, promotional campaigns uh, and I learned that after the fact but but uh to my ben- to my uh to my credit, I did a lot of data crunching, and I realized like after a year or so of wasting my time and money <laughs> that this was not the the thing the, the, these weren't the campaigns that were useful for for growing my audience or
1: for um uh building my career mm. so. yeah that's the business everything's a business it's a business yeah it's definitely a business mm-hmm.
0: and so yeah if you don't want to treat it like a business you can you can be owned by somebody you could uh you could get a, a booking agent i was owned for like you know, seven to ten years uh, by the same people booking me over and over again. And I guess I should be grateful in retrospect because you know, they did help me pay my way through college. But it wasn't really sustainable because I wasn't able to raise my prices. I wasn't able to build a a unique pathway, um, like my unique brand. I wasn't able to create my unique brand as an artist. Um, so that there was a big void there. Uh, I wasn't able to, uh, you know build an audience because it was just pretty much the work that was coming my way was generated by my booking agents. I wasn't able to negotiate pricing or anything like that. I didn't know where I was going to go. Uh, how m- I rarely was able to, to negotiate pricing or how many hours I'd be working. So yeah, you don't have to treat it like a business, but um, if, if you don't think think of it as a brand, as a business, you, you might, you're going to have a lot of trouble uh, growing your income, I think, unless you have a really good, honest team around you that really believes in your work
1: yeah i can see how they're pretty much even though you're getting work they're the ones who's like doing all the work so they're like the face even though like you're the one who's putting in the work so then it's like mm-hmm. yeah they're taking the they're taking the business part of it but you're not pretty much you're just more of a product at that point not really the musician
0: uh yeah i mean if i'm the product they're selling my services but i i don't have any connection to the client or the or the uh the concert promoter, um, I'm not going to have much control of my career.
1: Yeah. Nice. Cool. Second and go. Okay. So go back to performing. How is it like performing in front of a big crowd like Master's Garden and stuff like that? Do you ever feel pressure or is it you just so used to it now?
0: Uh, do I feel pressure? Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pressure when you're performing in front of, uh you know a huge audience um even if you have a lot of a lot of uh, experience um yeah st- stuff like that like carnegie hall that that those types of things are pretty can be pretty scary pretty daunting but um uh you know what, what are you gonna do <laughs> like uh, turn it down <laughs> so yeah anything anything worth earning is uh, you know is is worth a risk and and uh worth a couple of nerves <laughs> So
1: oh like, no, i'm nervous but this is so much money i I could be nervous for a little bit
0: yeah well it's, it's also the experience but uh i i've turned down gigs that that paid quite a lot um on a number of occasions just because they just didn't fit fit the schedule they didn't fit the bill they didn't fit like my branding as much mm-hmm. uh depend you know I, I to a certain extent you know you could be a sellout if you just we want to pay the bills but um it's not i don't think it's always wise to take every gig yeah that comes your way uh you could end up like misbranding yourself there's a there there's a word like that
1: yeah i can see you just gotta do what's best and what fits mm-hmm. and then sometimes switch like we remi- switch it up if you if that's like a good if that's a good part of the business but yeah mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about, like, how you just, there's so many people, and you just, like, just trying not to think, don't mess up, because that's going to mess you up anyway. If you think, don't mess up, just go with it. Um, you're saying, uh, I'm you saying it. To... say it again? I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if I was trying to, like, I was day I was just trying to tell myself to not think about not messing up, because that's going to mess me up, but just think about it. Just get, The best thing to do is just go with the flow.
0: Yeah, I go with the flow. Uh, also, like if you mess up, okay, what's the what's what's the worst thing that's going to happen? People are going to laugh, throw tomatoes at you, you know. Like what's and, and and our our fear of like screwing up is generally amplified like beyond the reality of anybody actually caring. Like if it's embarrassing and you trip on stage or your pants fall down, so it's embarrassing in the moment. And then like let's just say there's a thousand or even two thousand people in the audience. Um, how many of them are actually going to remember that? Uh, I don't know a year down the road, like they may tell the story, Oh, this funny thing happened, but it's like, um, you just have to, if you, if you, if you realize how small your performance actually is in the grand scheme of things of like humanity, the history of humanity, we're just like a blip on the screen and it kind of, uh, kind of helps calm your need calm your nerves. Um, and allows you to kind of just like you mentioned, go, go with the flow. Um, realizing that, if things go well, that's great. If things don't go well, then whoop de doo Tomorrow's another performance, you know.
1: Like, will they remember this in two thousand years? Probably not.
0: Yeah, well, they—they they, they won't know. You know, people aren't <laughs> going to be. I, I don't think. I don't think anybody's going to be searching my profile necessarily. Um, two thousand years from now, maybe by accident, maybe one or two people by accident might trip over. But there's going to be unlimited content, <laughs> you know. Even a hundred years from now. So what we do now. I I just think, you know, the way we should think is how can we best impact other people in a good way? How can we bring love and light and happiness and joy to an otherwise pretty distressed world that we live in? Um, and that's kind of like why I do what I do. I'm in music. Uh, and and that's, that's really with my limited scope and reach and capacity and impact. Uh, that's just what I choose to spend my time doing and uh, kind of fret, spend less time fretting and worrying about, okay, you know, what's What if, you know, what if I trip, what if I play out of tune, blah, 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 you know, just, uh, enjoy, enjoy the ride. That's what I'm trying to do.
1: Noble like that. Thanks. Welcome. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're saying a lot about music. My experience in music is very limited, a little bit of middle school, but not that much more of a designer. So it's nice to see how, like, a lot of the same, um, themes and, um, lessons are in there also. Uh, nice to see. all oh, the same themes yeah. and lessons from for middle school. You're saying it's like it's like art, and like designing, is also flows into um music.
0: Uh yeah, I mean we're all in the we're all in the art artistic kind of realm art yeah. and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Expression,
0: self-expression.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Had idea. I lost it. Okay back so if it wasn't for music would there be anything else you would do if you never got that violin at two years old like the lessons
0: uh is there anything else that i would do with my life now you're saying yeah if
1: it wasn't you know. i
0: would probably be a nurse or a teacher probably be doing something you know super uh super important and somewhat boring <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't think anything quite touches music as challenging as it is to to run a career in the music industry but it's saying it's, it's fun.
1: It's rewarding. Nice. Uh, is there anything you want to go over that didn't ask? Uh, you can tell me about yourself.
0: <laughs> uh, I just talked about myself. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot about me. You guys mm-hmm. could check, you know, if you want to check out my music, you check it out on, uh, uh, my original music on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, um, uh, you know, pretty much every major platform. And if you want to check out my like my social media posts, my live performances are on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, Astralob, A S H G R L A U B. And you know, I don't care where you're from or what language you speak. I always appreciate people reaching out, saying hello, uh, posting a comment, um, DMing me. It means the world to me as, a, as an artist. So because uh, this is what I do. This is, this is why I chose to do it. I chose to connect with human beings with people across the planet. And uh, I guess that's what I wanted to relay.
1: Nice. So you want to go over? With, with, ah. mm-hmm. You also said you wanted me to introduce myself to you. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, so Ezekiel, mostly known mm-hmm. as Zeke, started this podcast back in 2020. Mm-hmm. The speak with people first. Of all started with my friends, and then I started branch out to different on people who were finding the podcast and I connect with them. Mm-hmm been doing that now I guess, three years and just mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do like what to keep how to keep going okay cool
0: so you started 2020 during the pandemic
1: yeah like i had the idea in 2019 and then i started releasing in 2020
0: mm-hmm. so so you've done quite a few then yeah cool uh and and this is uh kind of on the heels of being a performer or, or being a producer
1: uh your episode or what
0: I'm sorry. No, I'm saying you. Yeah, this, you. You chose to do the pod, podcasting in the context of like you're a producer or a live performer?
1: Uh, more like the creative, like producing in it. Producing like, music? No. Like, my brain is not. I'm sorry. I am not. You actually like these like, my creative works for the producing or creating.
0: I was just wondering what, what you do and in, 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 if you do anything in music.
1: Oh, me personally, no. That's more of a, my brother thing. He does more of a music. I'm okay. The, like, Interviewer. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Well, that's about that's about all I got. Oh, cool. And it's the mm-hmm. time. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Everybody knows who we are. You going to done with that. Actualod.com is my website, mm-hmm.
0: um, and that that'll kind of direct people to uh, to all the uh, the major platforms uh, that I'm on. And uh, again, want to welcome them to to say hello. Let me know what kind of music they like to hear. I cover a different bunch of different genres, like classical, EDM, classical, uh, hip hop, that type of stuff. And I try to produce music based on my listeners' interests. So. That's what I wanted to share. And uh, anybody wants to, who, who's interested in, in like the input of, of violin in, you know, in whatever genres like hip hop or pop or, or EDM, let me know. It's pretty easy to reach me, and I'll try to see if I can uh, make some music for you. Nice.
1: Again, thank you for joining. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. That brings another episode of the last to So close. Again, you can find information about Asher by clicking the link in the description below. This is the last episode of CG10 of Let's Get Podcast. You can find more information about what I'm doing in the closing episode that's also premiering today. Hope you're doing another day and I hope to see you there.